Listeners, the podcast you're hearing right now is absolutely rooted in college radio. My wife, Barbara, the smiling voice and producer of this podcast, along with myself, met at our college radio station. And for anybody that's not tuned in lately, college radio station still exists to bring you new sounds and things you're not going to normally hear on commercial radio. WFUV out of Fordham University is no exception, and it holds a particular soft spot in the hearts of Irish Americans with their Kale McGale program and Irish programming throughout the weekend. It is the place where Irish Americans, not only in the tri-state area, but all over the globe at this point, thanks to streaming, get to listen to WFUV. It's a treasure, and it is a treasure to have Kathleen Biggins from WFUV on this broadcast. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Taste. And I have to say, my nerves are a little shot here because I am a broadcaster about to interview a broadcasting legend, which is Kathleen Biggins. And many of you may know her from WFUV. She was an undergraduate at Fordham um, back in the... No, 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 I'm not going to say what, what decade that was. Uh, she's come back to campus, of course, uh, at Kill Miguel and on A Thousand Welcomes on the weekends. And she has uh, just been a passionate advocate of Celtic culture and music for a number of years. And she is also a news writer at CBS News Radio, where she just won uh, a Writers Guild Award for uh, a radio audio news script, The Surfside Condo Collapse. So congratulations to you, Kathleen, and welcome. Thank you very much. That was a wonderful introduction. And I'll tell you that I'm rattling in my boots too right now because, you know, I've never done anything like this before. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll uh, why don't we take a shot of whiskey and we'll work on our nerves together. How's that? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> so first of all, it's great to have you on and you, you need to know that I've only done like seven or eight broadcasts so far. This is probably what my ninth or 10th show. So I've had Joni Madden on, I've had Larry Kerwin on, I, Celtic Cross is coming on next week. And I would say out of the 10 broadcasts I've done so far, WFUV or yourself specifically have been mentioned in the broadcast, which I think is really indicative of the fact that FUV has such a, such a contribution to the Irish music culture and the Irish culture here in the New York area that I think that's really a testament to the work you guys do there. So um, just thank you for that, first of all. And uh, tell me how you got started on the radio. Oh, well, thank you. That's really nice to know, though, that um, people mention us and listen to us. So that's um, a, a lot of these a lot of these folks say they didn't think they made it until they heard their song on the radio on FUV. That's the truth. Oh, wow. So it's well, really great. Oh, that that warms my heart. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. Um, but how I got into it? Well, I was a student um, at Fordham University and uh, actually even during one of the orientation days before I was actually a real student, I just knocked on the door of the radio station during one of the tours and, um, you know, said, oh, wow, you know, I think I want to get involved in this when I actually start school here. And um, it was a Sunday 
and the Irish music was playing on the air there. And the hosts at the time were Marie Hickey and Ann Bowen. And I remember meeting them and some of the other people. Um, and uh, once I started school, the way that you get involved and the easiest way to get on the air is to join the news department. And so I did that for the whole time I was there, the four years I was at Fordham. And um, then came 1985 when I was uh, still a sophomore and the two women that did the program, uh, Mary Fogarty and Jerry Lavin, they were about to leave. They were going to graduate. And that was at the time, and they still do it on that program. Um, it's a student-run show. And once uh, the students hit senior year, it's bye-bye. So uh, they were leaving, and I expressed interest in it. And uh, when Mary left, I took over. And I remember it was Palm Sunday. And Jerry Lavin, who was staying for another couple of months, couldn't be there that day. So my very first day, I was on my own. By yourself. <laughs> thrown to the wolves, right? Thrown, thrown to, the, to the wolves. Absolutely. Thrown to the online, throw, thrown to the radio uh, airwave wolves. Exactly, yeah. And uh, somebody somewhere has an air check of that program, but I would never listen to it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, uh, but I remember, you know, announcing... A song, The Fields of At Henry, mm -hmm. <laughs> instead of Ath and Rye. So, uh, you know, <laughs> things like that. You know? So, uh... no, the Fields of At Henry are good too. They're right next to the Fields of Ath and Rye. They're not as they're not as uh, they're not as fervent as the Fields of Ath and Rye, but they're Henry's Fields are pretty good as well. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's right. You know, they're no slouch. <laughs> that's great. Well, that sounds like an utterly horrible and terrifying experience. And yet that's what you decided to make your living in, right? Because yes. it, it sounds to me like uh, getting on the radio from a news perspective, and then now you're a news writer and also, you know, you're hosting of a thousand welcomes and came to Um Something must've stuck in that horrific experience because here you are today still doing it. So still doing it. And, and still at CBS news, I started, I started A Thousand Welcomes, um, which was a show, it was on Monday nights, and it was hosted originally by a woman named Kathy Gnude, and um, then Mary Snow uh, took it over for, I think, a couple of years, and then while I was still doing Kill and Ale, I started A Thousand Welcomes, which was on Monday nights for an hour. I mean, it got to the point where it was like, oh my God, I'm in the library studying, I have to do a show, I forgot, I totally forgot. So, you know, I'd be running, you know, to do the show from, uh, you know, wherever I was. Uh, but 1986, that's when I started that show. And that's when I also started at CBS News as a uh, desk assistant in the radio newsroom. And I'm still there. <laughs> so. Well, as I was thinking about the interview with you today, I don't know if it's a stretch to say that the Irish people as a race are probably the greatest storytellers that are walking the earth just as a race. And here you are, you're a storyteller at the end of the day. And I've, I've always appreciated not only the work you've done in CBS News, but also, you know, the stories and, and the broadcasting you do and, and weave in between the songs of, of your program. So does that, is that on your mind or is, you think there's any accident that you chose that as a profession, given the fact that you've got so much Irish blood in those veins? Well, I think that, you know, as they always say, the Irish have the gift of the gab. 
Um, I consider myself to be a very shy person. So if anything, it was a very unlikely route to take because even to this day, I would prefer to be in the background. And that's what I do at CBS. I'm in the background. I'm not on the air at CBS. You know, I like to be kind of, you know, cheering people on <laughs> and, and, and watching things from the sidelines rather than, you know, being the one marching in the parade. Again, it's very unlikely that I'm on the air. But in terms of storytelling, I think that there's such a rich, even in, even in just the instrumental music, I think that, you know, you can listen to the music and you can hear the stories going back all the generations um, because the music is passed down from, you know, father and mother to son to daughter. And it's just such a, um, a soul-fulfilling kind of genre. You know, Irish storytellers is who we are. And you're a storyteller, be it on CBS News or even telling the stories and bringing those instrumentals to life on FUV. And I just think there's no accident that that's what you chose to do with your life. Being on the air, I think, is certainly an accident. Um, it, it's not something that I think I, I sought out specifically. And the reason why I think I wanted to do it was because I really wanted to share this music with listeners because it's something that I'm very passionate about. And there's, you know, the difference between, say, Kiln Lail and, and A Thousand Welcomes. My show is um, focused on Irish traditional music. So it's not your bar ballads or, you know, the, the rebel songs or things like that. It's more um, tuned to instrumental dance music and your airs um, and a lot of Shano singing and songs uh, sung in the Irish language, um, which is something that I like to spotlight as well. That's all part of the Irish experience. And I think that it's certainly not on the radio. It's not something that you would hear every day, not on commercial radio, obviously. And very often, not even in Ireland, only in the past few years, um, have you heard um, traditional music uh, in, on a national level in great numbers in, in Ireland. So to have this little neck of the woods, you know, in the, out, of, out of the Bronx, um, I think is, you know, very fortunate and very happy to be there telling these stories. Well, I, I've always opined that Hudson County is another county of Ireland where I'm from in Jersey <laughs> City and the Bronx you know, is another county of Ireland as well, for sure. I think it's interesting, though, in what you said, that it's kind of an accident that you're on the air. My wife is actually a DJ on the radio, and she is on WJRZ down here on the Jersey Shore. And she feels most comfortable behind a microphone talking to thousands of people at a time but then when she's been asked to introduce Rick Springfield at the Count Basie Theater in Red Bank, she's completely terrified. So it's one of those introvert, extrovert things where people think that you are extroverted because you're on the radio and you must love talking to people. When in fact, many of the DJs that I know are actually very introverted people that love to share music that they love with people but if you put them in a big crowd they want to very much they're in the background but yet when they're on the radio and they're in the, the front of the ground does that make sense yes it does make sense and i'll explain the way i think of it is and and maybe your wife feels the same way is that when you're on the radio you're speaking to one person you're not speaking to a crowd of people so i'm very comfortable 
in that respect. But like her, <laughs> if you ask me to get on the stage and introduce someone, my knees are knocking, you know, until I get up there. And, you know, you see that light and it reminds me of that Brady Bunch episode when, you know, the camera light came on during the uh, contest, <laughs> yes. the contest that, you know, one of the kids was in and, you know, you just lose your thought, you lose, you know, all your words just, you know, fly out of your head. But when you're on the radio, you're just speaking to one person. And that's the way I think of it. That, and it's so funny you used to say that because she has a picture of her best friend, Gail, that she tapes to her microphone. And that's who she says she's delivering her radio show to is to Gail. Mm. And they're not Kilma not kill Gail, by the way, just regular <laughs> old Gail. <laughs> um, and, that's and a good trick. I, I think I might use that. You might use that, right? That's good. So, you know, again, I think it's also really interesting from, from my perspective, and I'm not the connoisseur of traditional music that you are. I mean, I wrote my column with the Irish voice for 18 years and I was more on the black 47 side of things and the prodigal side of things. But when you deal with the traditional music, especially some of the slow airs and whatnot, I just find that the, the fiddle and the flute in particular are so expressive. You know, they're, they're the ones, they're the instruments I think that, they do tell a story. They're almost like voices. And even though there's no lyrics to them, the emotion that blows through the flute or emanates out of the fingers of the fiddle, I find that's almost like a human voice when you listen to it. There, it can emote great sadness or great hope. And I think that just like other traditions, not just Irish traditional music, that real rootsy traditional music Japanese music, I think, has, you know, flutes in it as well and fiddles in it as well, but it's played differently. And, and that basic bedrock traditional music of our culture does emote storytelling without words. And that's what I always love about listening to your program, but also to, you know, traditional Irish music in general. That's a very good point. And I'd also add um, dance in there as well. You know, it's all part of the language of a particular people. Yeah. Know, regardless of that. For sure. The music and dance, I think, are all together. Like, I could I could go into, you know, any pub in Ireland and, you know, if there's a session going on and, you know, people get up and they do some set dancing, I could just go right in. I wouldn't know them. And I'm in a foreign country. <laughs> I'm in a different country. Yet I can speak with them to them with the same language. Yeah, that's very true. And it's interesting. I've covered a number of Irish festivals over the years. The most recent one that I did was the Kansas City Irish Festival last year. And there's just a group of people. It's one in the morning and we all stayed at the same hotel and everybody just gets into the lobby and people who have never met, they just start a session, right? And they just lock into one another and go alongside one another never having to rehearse, but everybody knows the same song. And it's almost like jazz in a way, because it's everybody knows the song, but everybody gives one another the space to be improvisational in the song, which I think is, is always a great thing to witness when you're seeing and hearing the intersection of live Irish music and, and, and Irish dance. It's really something to see. It is something, and, and the festivals are really 
they're the best. <laughs> they really are. I mean, you know, I've never been to the Milwaukee Fest. That's like on my bucket list. Me too. But there have been uh, just in the New York area, the late lamented um, Snug Harbor Festival, which was fantastic. You would get people from, you know, all over the country and Ireland to come. And then there was the uh, Greater Washington Cayley Club that had a, a festival in Glen Echo Park. And then it ended up ending up being in um, uh, Wolf Trap. Uh, and, you know, it had national prominence. And then the cultists, um, cultists Kiltori Aaron, that group, they have national conventions um, in different spots of the country. Um, and then in the our region, uh, the New York, New Jersey uh, region, the North American region, they usually have it in New Jersey every year. And it's actually it's another opportunity for musicians from all around the country and uh, the world to get together. They have uh, the FLA Kilt, the competition, which qualifies them for the uh, FLA in Ireland. And it's just um, a hotel in Parsippany, New Jersey, chock full of Irish musicians that are just going at it all night long. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just fantastic. You know, it, it's something that really needs to be experienced if you haven't ever. And An inviting smile. That's what people hear in my voice. And that's usually the tone that people want associated with their brand. Sure, I can steam up the windows with a sexy cadence. Even that can be delivered with a smile. You need a girl next door? I'm your girl. Commercials, narrations, explainer videos, even phone systems. I'll bring the smile to your brand. Check out my brand new website, smilingvoice.com. And we're back with Kathleen Biggins. So Kathleen, you've gone to a lot of feshes. You've been on both sides of the Atlantic. Uh, since this is a quasi-food podcast, I'd love for you to share with the audience where you find the best Irish feed. I know you know the highways and byways of McLean Avenue, and I know you know <laughs> a number of those other places near Fordham, right? Um, so where, where does Kathleen Biggins go for the best <laughs> pint or the best uh, uh, Irish pub fare? Well... Um, Rory Dolan's in uh, McLean Avenue in Yonkers, of course, that's close enough to Fordham. And we've been there quite often um, after the program. That's one place. Down here where um, I live down by the Jersey Shore, the Dublin House in Red Bank. Got to give that props. And then um, I know Bayou is uh, St. Stephen's Green in, in Spring Lake. Over in Ireland, you know, the best food is, um, you know, whoever's booking. <laughs> that's true that's, and are you a cook yourself i do like to cook yeah i don't like to clean up after i cook but i do like to cook there you go <laughs> and, and what kind of what kind of irish feed do you uh would you log in as your specialty oh i would have to say the soda bread mm. oh, well, those, um, are, those are fighting words because that that's my specialty uh-huh. mm. well we have to have a soda bread off <laughs> one of these days. there you go there you go so I use cranberries and my mother would be rolling over in her grave because me you know, too. She, she always says that's not, that's not Irish soda bread. That's so funny. You should say that. Cause I did mixed fruit soda bread uh, where I did cranberries, dried blueberries and cherries. And it was basically a mix of dried fruit at Costco. And I did it once and I loved it. And then I actually 
you know, bought out the supply at Costco uh, <laughs> because this last St. Patrick's Day, I did a mixed fruit Irish soda bread. And what I did also was there's this age old pan or ceramic dish, I should say, that we make our Irish soda breads in. And on the bottom of it is a Celtic knot imprinted in the ceramic. So that when you bake the soda bread on the bottom, it has a Celtic knot on the bottom of it. So oh, wow. yeah, it was very, very cool. And I share that because I entered my soda bread in the church baking competition and I came in second. So it wasn't too bad. I beat the old, I, I beat the other Irish pitties. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think I, I, I must say, I think it was the mixed berry that won it. And I think the other thing that probably won it was best in show because when you flipped it over, there was a Celtic knot on the bottom. So I always like to say that uh, it is sacrilege. I'll fully admit it is sacrilege to not use raisins. I agree with that, but I still go against the grain anyway. And I use cranberries and I use mixed fruits. I, I do like raisins. So once in a while, I'm going to do raisins as well, but I will uh, never put in caraway seeds. What are your thoughts on that? No caraway seeds. Nope. Thank, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Where did that start? Do we even know? Because there's some people that will fight you on the fact that caraway seeds should be in there. And very few of my Irish friends ever use caraway seeds. But the ones that do, man, they are so resolute about it. Yeah, I think it has to do with the way mama used to make or nanny, you know, it may be regional as well. And if you even talk to people, they say real traditional Irish soda bread is just baking soda, salt and, and flour. And that's it. I know my uh, my grandmother, the way she made it, she made it once. I don't know how she did it, but she made it with half caraway seeds and half not because our family was, you know, half, half for and half against. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting. I have a friend of mine who's kind of a par partner on this podcast. His name is Sean Brady. So he's the he's the foodie and he's a chef and uh, he puts things like apple juice into his soda bread recipe to bring out the fruit of the of the currants or whatever else you use. I'll sometimes use the brown raisins and the golden raisins. And again, lately what I've been doing is I've been doing the mixed berries uh, soda bread. And then I'll also make scones. I mean, this, you know, really the difference between the scone and the soda bread nowadays is just, uh, you know, heavy cream versus buttermilk. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I actually make a, a savory soda bread as well. Um, I just leave out the sugar and I put in um, rosemary, thyme. Like the rosemary bread that I make, I usually uh, use, I serve it with um, stew, like the Guinness stew. So um, Wow. So, so it's a savory soda bread with yeah. rosemary and thyme that you would serve with the stew. And what goes into the stew? Your usual... Um, you know, stew meat. Usually people will probably kill me for that, but I go the easy way and just buy the stew meat from the store and carrots and potatoes and Guinness. And Guinness. That's what I was waiting for. I was waiting yeah. to see if that was going to be Guinness in there. Yeah. <laughs> there. And it was that a recipe from your mom or your, as well, or is that no, your grandmother's No, that's probably mom? something I got off on the internet. I guess <laughs> it was an instant pot recipe and um, it was the first time I used the Instant Pot, actually, for the pressure cooking aspect of it. And when I released the steam, there was like Guinness all over the ceiling. 
<laughs> that's funny that's funny well i'm definitely gonna have to try that that sounds ingenious actually the rosemary and thyme and the soda bread to make uh the companion bread with the guinness beef stew i think yeah. that's a that's a good one i like that well kathleen tell us where tell our audience where they can hear your radio program it's on 90.7 fm if you're the terrestrial radio type or it's on the world wide web at uh, wfuv.org we also have an app and you can ask your smart speaker to play wfuv wow there you go well you 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 actually said that like a true radio person that's <laughs> <laughs> tell me where you can find us i will here we go <laughs> well kathleen it has been a real pleasure and again as i started the broadcast i'll end it the same way I, I don't think you realize, or maybe you do, just the contribution that your program makes and FUV makes in general. Uh, it, there's just been so many people that have said, you know, they didn't feel like they made it until they heard their their song on WFUV or plenty of times pre-internet when they were trying to get the word out to gigs, they would always rely on FUV to get the word out to the Irish faithful out there about where the gigs were coming. So you've really been an integral part of the Irish culture here in New York city. I've been fortunate to be a guest on FUV a few times with my books. And again, you know, the minute I get off the air, the, the phone rings off the hook and the book sales go crazy. So I've also been a benefit of that as well. So thank you for the work that you're doing and uh, long may it rain. Oh, well, thank you very much for this this was a lot of fun and all right awesome. nice to be on this side of the microphones for, for a while. well you you did a great job <laughs> all right <laughs> kathleen take care thanks so much taste has been produced by brain on shamrocks productions through an exclusive partnership with irishcentral.com it's been mixed and engineered by barbara farher the smiling voice and my wife i love you honey you can follow us on Instagram at Taste Podcast, and that's T-A-Y-S-H-T Podcast, or at Brain on Shamrocks. We'll see you next week.